mindfulness mode. He was an incredible influence on, on my growth and mindset. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to another episode. Today we're talking about the self-esteem of children. We're talking about how we can help them by getting the creative spark going, help them uh, understand how you know they can move forward with uh, really positive self-esteem and, and just to make a better life for themselves. And so we're talking today with Paul Hemphill. He's an author, he's a speaker, he's a veteran. And so I'm so much looking forward to this. So Paul, are you in mindfulness mode today? Uh, I certainly hope so, Bruce. I'm gonna knock everyone's socks off, which is what my intention is here. That's fantastic. <laughs> so what does mindfulness mean to you, Paul? Well, basically it's, it's uh, being self-aware, uh, knowing exactly what you need to focus on in order to achieve whatever goals you want to achieve. And, uh, and that has to be developed in a way that uh, can be subtle or it can be overt. Uh, but I think that in the context in which I am working, which is the homeschool market, uh, that's where it's most likely to happen. So uh, if, if you have homeschoolers who are watching this, uh, they have a, a new resource that they can depend on. So that's where so, I am. So what got you into this this space where you're so passionate about helping kids and helping kids with their self-esteem? Oh, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Uh, I spent nearly 20 years working with high school students, particularly juniors and seniors, on marketing them as a product to the colleges. I would mm -hmm. tell them, look, you're going to be competing with other students who have the same grades and test scores that you have. Why should a college take you? And every talented senior I would talk to, they would be dumbfounded by the question. They couldn't answer. They didn't know. And so what I told them was, you have to market yourself as to let them know who are you. That's the question they want you to answer. And it's not going to be answered with grades and test scores. And so I would develop strategies or, or an image, if you will, even logos for my kids. And the, the parents thought this was fantastic. This was, this was great. Uh, but my message was always the same to the kids whenever uh, we concluded our relationship. I would always say to them, uh, the world will always uh, accommodate you for fitting in, but it's only going to reward you for standing out. And so if you stand out in this application process to college, chances are excellent you're going to get in. Good so point. my success rate was about 96%. I don't know what happened to the other 4%, but the point was is that these kids learned that standing out by maximizing uh, whatever abilities you had was really worth it. Let me give you a really simple pedestrian example. Sure. Uh, I came across a student who I asked him if he had any special quality that was that I could uh, help him market to the colleges. And uh, he was kind of uh, nonplussed, very non-vocal. And uh, even when I asked him open-ended questions, he didn't know what to, what to say. And mm -hmm. so I said, well, is there anything that you're really good at? No, not really. So his father spoke up and said, Jimmy, take Mr. Hempel downstairs and show him your collection. So I thought, hmm, this ought to be interesting, collection of guns, or what is it? You know, what I, is I it? had no idea. 
uh, when we got down to the bottom of the stairs, I could see on the wall a clock. It was like 10 after 2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when I got down to the bottom of the stairs, I looked around. I couldn't believe my eyes. The, this kid had this wall covered with glass cases of butterflies. Oh. He was a butterfly collector. And uh, I said, how did you get into this? And uh, when he was done with his answer, it was about quarter or two. <laughs> it, it was amazing. And I didn't have the heart to tell the, the father or the student uh, that if all he put on his application was that he was a butterfly collector, he could be a D student and they would take him. <laughs> Any college would take him. Wow, we're going to have a butterfly collector in our class. This is fantastic. We've never had a butterfly collector before. You know? And so, uh, needless to say, his father uh, 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 thanked me very much for helping him get into college. And, and I said to him afterwards, it was all done. I said, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he study at college? Uh, he studied history, as a matter of fact. It was interesting. Uh, it was a. Uh, I was impressed with the fact that he was going in that direction. And yeah, um, for sure. But but it was it was a fun thing, and and uh, and kids really don't really don't understand their capabilities and the abilities that they already have, and their parents don't tell them what those abilities are. They don't know how to tell them what those abilities are, and the and the schools, of course, don't either. So. These kids end up by their senior year wondering, am I worth anything? Can I do anything other than study and get A's in my classes? And so I got frustrated with that. And, uh, and part of that frustration was my two sons coming home every day. And I would ask them, like every six months, the same question to which I would get the same answer. Well, how do you guys like history? Uh, Dad, it's boring. Okay. And so after asking them that question the fourth time, one of my sons said, hey, Dad, uh, why do you keep asking the same question when you know what the answer is going to be? So, so what happened? I got real motivated, and I got in my car, drove down to the local library, and I said to the library, a library, I just, uh, is there any book here in the library that tells teenagers how to really like history? And she looked at me like I had three heads, and she said, what are you, nuts? Of course not. We don't have anything like that. Nobody <laughs> has anything like that. And I thought, wow, this is my Damascus moment. I'm going to do something. And so I spent the next few years researching uh, events that could really uh, convince these kids and prove to these kids through a through history that uh, they are capable of, of accomplishing great things today, not 20 years from now, which is why we, we send our kids to college and all of that. Right. Uh, parents have to get out of that mindset. And so- And you, and you put uh, all this into your, your book that you wrote in 2018. Wow. Yeah. And it became an Amazon top 20 in its category, I understand. It, it did, it, in two, and in 2022, it, it, it went to, uh, to number one eight times that year. Wow. And, and uh, it, was, it was really amazing. So, uh, and I haven't really done any marketing of the book at all, Bruce. I've gone on to do other things. And in fact, I'm right in the middle of, of uh, completing my eighth book, which will be out uh, probably the first of May. 
Oh, so, good for you. And do you have a title for that book? Yeah, it's it's uh, Life Lessons for Skeptics. Okay. And, and basically, it's the adult version of Inspiration for Teens. Right, okay. And the reason why I use the word skeptics is because we now are in a culture where everybody is skeptical of everything. True. I mean, I was visiting with a doctor this morning uh, at the Veterans Administration Hospital, and, and he we were having a conversation about uh, medications and that sort of thing. And I mm -hmm. said to him, I said, doctor, this is no, take no offense at this, but I'm having real difficulties in believing doctors anymore. Okay. Because all you guys know how to do is prescribe and cut. All right. No offense, but that's all you guys do. And when you want to prescribe something to me, I don't know if I want to go that route. I said, do you understand where I'm coming from? He says, absolutely. He says, Paul, he says, I hear this every day. And so there, there we are. So I thought if people are so skeptical about things, maybe if I wrote a book with the word skeptics in the title, maybe I'll get some attention. And then the parents can go to the kids and say, hey, you know, this book is really interesting. Maybe you ought to read it as well so well that that's fantastic and and you've gone ahead and had videos created as well didn't you yeah. tell us about the video work you've been yeah doing. I, that's that's a great question the the uh, I called uh, YouTube one day mm -hmm. and uh, or was it Google and they said what do you do for business so I told them yeah and uh, they said have you done any videos I said no I said, why would I do videos? Which was a dumb question because they just spent $1.7 billion on acquiring YouTube, you know? Right. So, so, so this guy was very patient with me. And uh, he said, look, sir, if you don't go video, okay, you're not going anywhere. Wow. I said, okay, thank you for that slap aside of the head, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that was really cool. And so immediately... I'm a flexible guy. I can take direction no matter how old I am. And uh, so I went and converted the uh, the book into video. And the video series is called America's 52 Stories. Okay. Because the book is is filled with uh, short stories. It's a really fast read. You can, you can sit down for five minutes, open the book to any page, and you'll get something out of it. That's the way it's designed to work. Mm -hmm. So the videos are about five minutes long in that area. It starts off, it has about three elements in it, and it's got a story. It starts off with mm -hmm. a story. And then the story ends, and then it's followed by the life lessons you can learn from that story. And, and then it's followed by some very relevant questions to bring the student and the parent back to the story and how they both relate to what they just watched. So I tell the parent, be sure to let the, make the student answer the question first. Now, just remember, when you ask the student a question, the first response is going to be automatic. It's a teenage response, I like to call it. And the response is always, I don't know. I have no yeah. idea. Okay? Yeah. So that's the reason why I send out one video a week, not one video a day. Okay. So and those videos are all on YouTube then? No, they're not. You have to they're not. you have to subscribe. Oh, I see how that works. So you go do you go to your YouTube channel? Do you go to your website? Where do you website. go to subscribe? To your website. website. And tell us your website. It's uh AmericanEducationDefenders.com. That's defenders right. plural. 
AmericanEducationDefenders.com. And so we're going to get links there to the to the videos. And what else will we find when we go to that website? Well, you'll find I have a store. Uh, which you go to the bottom of the page and, and you can click on the store and see all the different products and services that are available. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the nice thing about about the site is that I like to have people test me. Right. Okay? Yeah. Uh, I don't want them to buy any of, of my videos until they test them. So they can sign up for a four-week uh, session, series, just as if they were signing up for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And after four weeks, they can decide whether or not they want to continue getting one video a week for the next 48 weeks. So it's a mm-hmm. year-long uh, exercise. And Bruce, one of the fascinating things that happened, we didn't even plan this. Yeah. The fascinating thing that happens is when the student answer finally answers the question, he knows that his mother or his father has to answer the question as well. Okay? And what happens is that the parent learns something about the student they didn't know before, and the student learns something about dad that he didn't know before, and so there's a bonding mechanism that's be, that's going on here that the both of them never anticipated. Right. And uh, I've had grandmothers. This is interesting. Grandmothers would, would, would email me and say, uh, "This this is one of the first times I've seen my son communicate with his daughter in a long time. This is really cool." Yeah. <laughs> you know? Excellent. And so it's 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 a video series that helps these kids recognize their own value, and uh, and at the same time it has a subtle effect of letting them know that uh, what they're learning, what they're watching on video, is proof mm-hmm. of what they are capable of. Can I give you an example? Yes, of, please do. Okay, there's a there's a story. I love stories. We all love stories. It's the reason why I have them. Uh, of this, this woman told her daughter, just as the Battle of Gettysburg was happening, she said, look, there's a lot of danger going on out there. You're going to have to get down to your uncle's place. You'll be a lot safer down there. So why don't you get down there as fast as you can? So she leaves the house, gets down to her uncle's place, and as she's approaching the house, she notices something that she's never seen before. And out through this window, something is being thrown. She doesn't quite know what it is. And when she gets closer, she realizes there's a whole pile of amputated legs and arms and hands and all that. And so she can, she begins to regurgitate breakfast, right? Yep. And But for the next three days, uh, she is asked to uh, just bring cool water to all the guys who are wounded flat on their backs and that sort of thing. And as she is going along to each guy, uh, you can imagine these guys are looking up at her and thinking to themselves, that's my wife right now. That's my daughter. That's my mother. And uh, what she doesn't realize is that some of these guys are giving are given hope by this this girl because she's there to listen to their agonies and their suffering. And -hmm. some of these guys are able to survive as a result. And I always like to call it. She's she's leading these guys across an emotional bridge over which few of us adults could cross along. And uh, what she does, the, the lesson of that story, is that even a young person can keep hope alive where there is none. And even a young person can save a life with all they have to do is listen. 
it's so ridiculously simple, Bruce, Yes. that we miss the obvious. We really do. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm usually asked at my class reunions, which take place every five years, uh, the, one guy will get up and say, hey, Hippo, what did you do with that degree in philosophy? Right. You know, they like to make fun of the guys who, made, who majored in philosophy, you know. Yes. And I always like to say, well, I, I made the complicated simple, man. I mean, it's just really simple. I got into marketing and uh, advertising and, you know, it's a whole concept thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I describe it this way. In the fall up here in New England, uh, you know, the, the colors of the, of the leaves and the trees are just beautiful. And when I have a guest over to the house, I always bring them to the kitchen window and I ask them, what do you see? And I always get the same answer. Oh, my God, the colors are beautiful. The trees are just magnificent. Da, da, da. And I never get the answer I want to hear. The answer I want to hear is, I see the window. <laughs> okay. And, and somebody says, well, why is that important? I say, important? Had it not been for the window, sir, you wouldn't have been able to enjoy God's creation. True. Oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. So I always like to pick up, Bruce, on what, what is in plain sight, as they say, hidden in plain sight. And, and, uh, and the way to teach history uh, that has, that's been around for a long time in plain sight, but hidden, is the use of stories. And that's yes. what I do, is I use stories to, to communicate uh, real values to our kids. So... Enough yeah. of me. Go ahead. Give me another well, question. That's a great. That's a great story. Well, I want to ask you about the topic of bullying because I've worked in that field for a long time, and you work with kids and you help children. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Where it would have made a difference how they dealt with it and how they looked at it to their self esteem? Yeah, it's a great question. There was a guy uh, from Wisconsin. He was a, a doctor. His name was Franz Hussmann. Mm -hmm. and very broken German and, uh, and all of that. And during the Battle of Gettysburg, he was uh, taking care of the Union wounded. And what happened, he realized that Confederate snipers were shooting and killing his patients. Well, mm -hmm. he got so upset that he ran outside this, this church building, raised his fist and said, I want you to shoot at the healthy ones. Don't shoot at my patients. And, and they took him seriously, and not another patient was hit or shot again. Okay? And and the 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 message that I get across on my video about him, and I mentioned the term bullying, is that uh, you might be surprised at the response you will get when you and when all you have to do is speak up. Yeah, You don't have to speak up with your fist. You just speak up with your voice and raise the decibel level a little bit. So true. And you might be surprised. Oh, my God. Really? And so Hushman, uh, in speaking up, probably saved the lives of a lot of patients in that hospital. So when I say hospital, I'm talking about a you know, makeshift a hospital during those times. So. 
Yeah. Wow. What a story. Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person that has been inspiring you to do all this work and inspired you in the area of mindfulness? Boy, that's a great question. I'd have to say a uh, not somebody you know. It's a, uh, uh, an old college professor that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the uh, first Protestant minister to be hired by a Roman Catholic faculty in this com- country back in 1963, and he was a he was an incredible influence on on my growth and mindset. That we had a, a relationship for 30 years beyond college, and he passed away here about five or six years ago. And uh-huh. it was a having him as a professor was the greatest experience I had in college, which made me tell my students, when you get to college, ask your fellow students, who is the one professor at this college that everybody respects? And then you go meet that guy and just talk about the weather. That's all you talk about and get to know him and have him get to know you. And that will be the most valuable part of your education you'll ever have. Yeah. Wow. What a great story. I want to talk about emotions and I want to talk about how the work you've done and and the mindfulness in your life has helped you to deal with your emotions differently. I would say it, it, it has a lot to do with perspective, Bruce, uh, and goals. In other words, how do you view what you do with your life mm-hmm. and and how do you motivate yourself to do what you do? And I know at this point in my life, I get up virtually every morning and say, man, I've, I've got work to do. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a country to save, and, uh, and, and, and I'm going to do it my way in a way that really works because it's proven to work. Mm-hmm. And I just hired a uh, marketing company out of, out of Utah because I, was, I did a donation campaign, which I got a lot of support on. So I'm able to hire these guys to, to contact and work with uh, homeschoolers who haven't even heard about my service yet. So uh, that's how I, I do that. Wow. Wow. That's great. Well, you know, I, I notice that you're so motivated and you're so upbeat and you're so enthusiastic. I'm just wondering how breathing plays a role in your life. Do you do breathing exercises? Do you, are you aware of taking deep breaths or anything like that? Any comments on breathing? Yeah, I am. In fact, I go to the uh, the local YMCA every morning at five thirty, and uh, and and do my exercises. And I walk four miles a day. My wife mm-hmm. walks six miles. She likes to outpace me. Oh yeah. So uh, so as a result, I don't walk with her anymore. <laughs> right. You walk so, on your own. And so, uh, but yeah, these these uh, particular exercises are so vital. I find myself. Uh, much more energized when I do that. And so it's just a habit that you need to stay with uh, to keep yourself going. Because your health is, 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 is everything, right? It is. It really is. Well, your book, Inspiration for Teens, has been such a success. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to, you know, inspiring people or mindfulness, anything like that? Yeah, uh, there's a guy by the name of Covey. Um uh, yeah. I, I think it's Richard Covey, uh, the seven virtues. Stephen seven, Covey, yeah, seven Stephen habits Covey. or something like that. Seven habits, yep. yeah. Right. Uh, one of my board members is a proponent of that particular book. He runs his own 
motivational classes down in Florida. Okay. And uh, and so uh, he, he every once in a while in a board meeting he'll mention the book as well as as, as uh, what I'm trying to emphasize. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think anything. And, and interesting enough, on on Amazon, when you look at a book, they will tell you what other books people are yeah. looking at that are in that same vein. So that's right. That's a good way to. It it definitely is. Well, you know, I think that it's awesome that you've got all these videos and audios uh, to inspire people. Are there any apps that you would recommend that uh, can be an inspiration? You know, I don't follow that very well, Bruce. Uh, I I guess I'm too occupied uh, with what I'm doing because uh, people assume I've got a staff. Yeah. And I say, yeah, I have a staff of one. That's it, man. It's me. <laughs> right. Okay? And, uh, and it takes me, you know, days, sometimes months to get to where I need to get to. And if I had a staff, it would take me a day, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my 52 videos took me, it took me in terms of research and and uh, teaching myself videography and all of that. It took me about three years to put those videos together. Oh, so you did them yourself. I did them myself. Did you narrate them yourself? Yes, I, I also narrated them. And and people will tell me, they'll say, gee, that was really well produced, so you just did the voiceover, right? <laughs> and I say, thanks a lot, pal. You know, no, I did the whole thing. You did the whole oh, thing. Wow, wow that's, that's impressive. Yeah, mm. I, I had... Uh, um, and by the way, one of the videos that I had done, I thought I should go out and talk to the Indian tribes out in South Dakota and Wyoming and Montana a couple of summers ago, which I did. Yeah. What a learning experience that was. I bet. And uh, and when I came back, I thought to myself, no, I'm going to do some videos on the American Indian, finding some particular individuals that really made an impact on their tribe. And what I found myself doing was discovering that the attributes that made these guys succeed uh, were similar attributes that I had already discussed in my other videos. And I thought, hmm, do I want to be redundant? Right. Uh, that's not going to work. And so, uh, and, and I just focused on one event in American history because it's the most written about event in our history, which is the Battle of Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. And in that battle is is every expression and demonstration of human nature you can possibly find. And so that's the reason why that one event is is really all the reader needs to know about how human nature works. You know, good or bad, it's all there. And I reveal it all. And so when I ask a high school teacher, uh, this is really a trick question to them. I say, how do you explain the advantage? What, or how do you explain how Robert E. Lee would explain uh, the advantage of honesty to a to a sixth grader? Would you know how to do that? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I say, well, that's how I, uh, so to speak, teach history. I, I don't like to say I teach history, Bruce. I like to say I sell history. Oh. Uh, Okay, because if you teach history, kids aren't listening to. In fact, I don't even use the word history when I'm talking. To oh, kids. don't you? 
I, I, I use the, the term America's past. Okay. See, when they hear history, it's, it's a negative. Oh, you're going to talk history? Come on. Right, right, okay. yeah. So, so I use America's, in fact, on my new cover of my new book, uh, the subtitle is, uh, here's proof that your abilities are revealed in one event from America's past. Ah. Not American history, America's past. Oh, that's cool. So there's no negative before they open open the book. <laughs> I like that. That's really good because, yeah, yeah, some of those words do spark negativity. That's for sure. Paul, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you if you have any final words of advice for our listeners as we wrap up the interview. I always like to uh, quote a famous American on uh, how we should look at things. And I'm just going to read these words. They're very few. It takes me less than 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, it is not, can any of us imagine better, but can we all do better? The dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise with the occasion. As our case is new, so we must think anew and act anew, and then we shall save our country. Abraham Lincoln. Wow, very good. Well, I have to tell you, I'm very inspired. I'm inspired by how upbeat you are, how excited you are, your passion, and all the work you do to help kids, to help them with self-esteem. Thank you for all you do in the world, Paul. Thank you. I really need to get the message out. <laughs> Thanks so much, Paul, for being on Mindfulness Mode today. Thank you very much. Well, very welcome. Thank you, Bruce. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us today. And I want to thank my sponsor, Athletic Greens. They have a product called AG1, and I can tell you that this is a terrific product. It contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, and probiotics. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this will work for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial ingredients. It supports better sleep and better alertness. Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science and it costs less than $3 a day. So here's a special offer for you, Mindful Tribe. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mindfulness. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.